With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hurts, and today we will finish up our 32-team preview series with the Seattle Seahawks. And thank you, everyone, for checking these out along the way. Very proud to have gotten through all 32, tried to make them as evergreen as possible along the way. So if you haven't caught all of them, feel free to go back before we have real-life football back on Thursday. I can't wait. I know you guys can't wait, too. But... Before we get on to that, the Seattle Seahawks fantasy football team preview. Russell Wilson, team let Russ cook right here. Obviously, Seattle, they want to run the hell out of the ball anytime they can. And it's really been that way his entire career. And so unfortunate. I mean, I don't think people realize just quite how amazing Wilson has been throughout his career. I mean, all right, there's been 158 QBs to start at least 50 games over the past 50 years. Among that group, here Russ ranks in various statistics. Passing touchdown rate, he's first. QB rating, second. Completion rate, 11th. Interception rate, sixth. Yards per attempt, fourth. Adjusted yards per attempt, second. Rushing yards per game, fourth. Now, pass attempts per start, 104th. I understand the thought process behind, okay, you watch how Russ plays and running around. He's a smaller guy. You want to keep him healthy. You don't want to consistently expose his guys to hit. Hits behind an offensive line that usually hasn't been all that great. But Russ has never missed a game due to injury since he entered the damn league. So I, I don't know. He He's ranked 38th and 30th in pass attempts in 2018-2019. It's been just worse underneath uh, Brian Schottenheimer. It's... It sucks. I mean, you watch the throws he makes. The ball placement's unbelievable. He's so slippery in the pocket. And, you know, he's been going out himself throughout this offseason just talking about, hey, you know, every time we go in two-minute mode or every time we have comeback mode in the fourth quarter, we move the ball up and down the field. Why don't we do this earlier in the game? And it's a great question. It's too bad that uh, they don't let him do it. And, you know, maybe he's benefiting a little bit from, you know, always being in the comeback mode and prevent defenses. I did look at some of his you know, games where he is throwing the ball a lot. And, you know, he has been a little bit less efficient um, in ter- when he is chucking the ball all over the place. But, you know, like, less efficient for Russ is still, you know, one of the more efficient QBs in the entire league. So 
it's and honestly now like my my even bigger gripe isn't just the pass attempt volume that's always been an issue but they're not even using him as a dual threat qb anymore and again this is the nfl's among qbs that have started 50 games number four all-time quarterback in rushing yards per game I mean, Russ Wilson, the things he really did early on in his career as a runner were wild. And he's not like he's slow now. He's still plenty capable. He had seven total yards on designed runs last year. Seven. He averaged 151 rushing yards on designed runs from 2012 to 2018. Russ still picked up a good amount of rushing yards last year. The only difference was he had to do it himself scrambling because he always has to do it himself. So, you know, he's never been anything other than a fantasy QB1 despite this lack of passing volume. I don't expect that to change in 2020. Still have him firmly in the QB1 range. But, you know, like I, there's guys I'm taking ahead of him. I just don't know how much longer Russ can provide his historically elite efficiency. He's got the weapons to do it, and he could be the overall QB1 if they just really let him cook for once. But just too much run game volume that doesn't involve Russ for me to, you know, be reaching on him in any of these fantasy drafts. Looking at the backfield, seems like the Chris Carson show, but I'm not super sure. He's not a guy I've necessarily faded this offseason, but I'm also a little hesitant in chasing him with a top three round pick. I mean, here's the issue. If you look at last season, Carson was the guy, but he had two separate games where he was benched because of fumbles that had just kept happening. I mean, he had seven fumbles on the year and he had three separate, I'm sorry, two separate three game stretches of fumbling each time. So after a while, they did get tired of it. And when Rashad Penny came back later in the season, he was actually splitting snaps and touches right down the middle with Carson. And then Penny got hurt again. Then Carson was the guy again. Then he got hurt. And then we had the whole Marshawn Lynch thing. So a lot of moving pieces going on there. But one of our most recent, I mean, our most recent split of healthy backs being there in Seattle was Carson and pretty much a two-back committee. So I had an article go up uh, this last week about my favorite kind of targets outside of the top 150, and it sounds ugly, people. Like, just hear me out, though. Carlos Hyde is a guy who they brought in not to take Carson's job, but to take Penny's job. Now, it, when Penny is hurt, which he is right now, he's on the pup, looking like he's going to miss at least the first six games of the season. And if Hyde is there to be the guy that Penny was in the last part of the year, this could be a situation we look back after week one and we go, wow, Hyde's actually almost splitting things right down the middle with Chris Carson. Hyde's going to be on top of all those waiver wire ads because guess what? He's only like one or two, probably more Chris Carson fumbles away or just a brief stint of ineffectiveness from having a chance to take over yet another backfield. I mean, if there's one thing that, you know, veteran, just kind of old school coaches love, it's seemingly giving Carlos Hyde a ton of touches. So, look, I don't like it. I wouldn't do it. You know, if, if it was up to me, Duke Johnson would have, you know, put Carlos Hyde in you know, firmly on the bench years ago, but it's not up to me. It's up to Brian Schottenheimer and Pete Carroll, and they're going to run the ball. And if it's between Carson and Hyde, okay, then Hyde might have some standalone value there. If it's not, okay, then Hyde could very well take over if Carson has any more fumbling issues or just gets off to a slow start. So I think DJ Dallas, their fourth-round pick, will steal some pass-down work away from these guys. But this is a situation where they run the ball enough that two guys could feasibly be flirting with 15 rushing attempts on a weekly basis. So really keep an eye out in week one. And, you know, maybe Carson keeps the job and gets going. He's a, he's a great running back. And when he holds on to the damn ball, which obviously is a big part of it, but just in terms of broken tackles, and he even took a step forward in the pass game uh, last year. So 
you know, there's definitely a scenario where Carson is just the league guy and he has another successful season, but really wouldn't discount the chances for, you know, Hyde and then later a healthy penny to make this more of a two-back committee. So do not be afraid to throw, you know, a late, late, late 16th, you know, 17th round pick at Mr. Carlos Hyde. Moving on to the wide receivers, DK Metcalf out wide, Tyler Lockett in the slot, and then we're going to have, you know, Philip Dorsett, Josh Gordon now, you know, pending suspension potentially, uh, and maybe David Moore if he makes a, if he makes the roster, uh, splitting time with that number three spot. I am, you know, I, I hope Josh Gordon goes out and crushes it, but I don't think this is the right spot for him fantasy-wise at all. He wasn't washed last season. I mean, he caught a freaking bomb from Russ Wilson. It must have been like a 60-yard catch, and that ball was in the air that far as well. That was a great play during his brief time with the Seahawks. And in New England, I mean, he wasn't separating a bunch, but still averaging a bunch of yards per reception. And I mean, and target. I mean, still being efficient when given the chances. Just didn't get a bunch of chances. And he's not going to get that in Seattle in this run first offense behind Metcalf and Lockett. I think 50% of the passing game is going to go through Metcalf and Lockett. And while I have Metcalf as a slight leader um, moving forward here, I do think that's a situation that could easily swing Lockett's way. You know, it's it, people, including myself, I think are still kind of bitter about that week 13 last year where uh, Lockett, unfortunately, laid a goose egg and you know the round before a lot of people had to get going in fantasy and you know for him to only go for seven catches and 170 yards and no scores from weeks 10 to 14 was brutal but you know he was a top three wide receiver before that slow stretch that was impacted by injuries and he finished the season off eight catches 120 yards touchdown six catches 51 yards in the score nine catches 136 yards in the score i mean that was in three of his final five games of the year so we saw that you know strong upside right there again we know the jedi like chemistry with russell wilson remains there and again he's the offense's number two pass game option at worst it's not like there's another high-end guy taking away run but I just think Metcalf, is, his rise is going to be here, and I think he's going to be a number one guy in Seattle before too long. I mean, look, it took Doug Baldwin four years to get at least 100 targets from Russell Wilson. It took Lockett five years. Metcalf did so as a rookie. And, I mean, the way he was coming on at the end of the year, last three games, six catches, 81 yards, touchdown, eight catches, 160 yards, touchdown, four catches, 59 yards in the final game of the season. I mean, look, the dude – Expand the route tree as the year went on. Mostly he was just stationary at the left wide receiver spot, but started to even use him around there. Just the amount of pressure he puts on defense with both his side size and his speed. He's the type of freaky talent I want to bet on. And, you know, as the fun saying goes, you know, better in best ball. But this is a situation where if you can really prioritize the Seahawks passing game in best ball, I think that'd be great because they are kind of built on these super fancy friendly opportunities that lend themselves, you know, nicely getting all these deep balls and red zone targets, lend themselves nicely to some true blow performances. So definitely down to prioritize Metcalf and Lockett. Best ball drafts of all shapes and size. Of course, if you are doing best ball, do it with the fine folks at Underdog Fantasy. Use code PFF, free entry into the Millie Maker. And hey, you know, if you get that Russ Metcalf Lockett stack, they decide to let Russ cook for once. Who knows? Maybe you take down that Millie Maker and remember who sent you there. So moving on to the tight end group, this one won't take too long. I mean, if it was one of Greg Olson, Will Disley, or even Jacob Hollister to just be the Seahawks tight end one, I think they would be amazing. And it's kind of the same thing like Deshaun Watson. Like, give Russ Wilson or Deshaun Watson just a talented full-time tight end. I think they're going to put up huge numbers, but together in this trio no i don't think so i mean will disley whenever he's been out there in his short career the guy's just putting up massive numbers so he's going to stay involved olsen you know again like witten going to vegas like i don't think olsen would have gone to seattle 
if he didn't have some sort of guarantee of playing time. I also don't think it's going to be, you know, 80, 90% snaps plus, but it's going to be enough to cause an issue with his potential fantasy upside. So, you know, he's adding potentially Hollister into the mix. I am fading the Seattle Seahawks tight ends until we get an injury or two to help clear things out. So on to the ranks. I have Russell Wilson as my QB7, one spot behind Josh Allen, one spot ahead of Carson Wentz. I mean, if it was just what QB do you want in the league, I mean, I asked this on Twitter, and I said if the aliens invade uh, aliens invade the earth, we got to play them in a football game to try to save humanity, and Patrick Mahomes is sick, who's going to be our quarterback? And, you know, the public, and, and myself included, pick Russell Wilson. Unfortunately, the Seattle, <laughs> Seattle uh, Seahawks coaching staff doesn't quite agree with that in terms of, you know, letting him, letting him let it rip in terms of pass game volume, which we've talked enough about. So that's why Russ is a little bit lower for me than others, but obviously he has that overall QB1 upside any given year. Running back, I have Chris Carson as my running back, 18, one spot behind David Johnson, one spot ahead of Jonathan Taylor. You know, I think the his path to success is pretty clear. I mean, look, even if Hyden Penny are more involved than we think, I mean, Carson can still get the job done on a 50-60% uh, snap share. We know he's talented, and if he holds on the ball, which it wasn't a huge issue in the first two years of his career, uh, can definitely see him, you know, getting back in that RB1 range. I just think, you know, David Johnson, James Conner, even Melvin Gordon, I think these guys have bigger roles, more pass game friendly roles, and I'm going to be rolling the dice more on them than Carson. I, I just got a bad feeling that we're going to see too much hide, and if Penny's healthy, a good amount of him as well. Uh, moving on, wide receiver. I have Metcalf as my wide receiver, 23. One spot behind Corlin Sutton, one spot ahead of Cooper Cup. And I have Tyler Lockett, wide receiver, 25. One spot behind Cup, one spot ahead of Will Fuller. You know, it's they could be right next to each other. It's I, I want all of them. And, you know, 4.3 teammates per season uh, finish in, among the top 24 PPR wide receivers uh, together. I definitely think the Seahawks are in position to do that in 2020. Uh, tight end, yeah, I'm not really good. I, I have Olsen as my tight end, 28, one spot behind Dawson Knox, one spot ahead of Darren Fells. I mean, look, if week one rolls around and Olsen is playing 90% snaps and Russ feeds the main targets, like, we'll adjust the new information. But right now, certainly seems like they are going to be spreading out those targets. And uh, they got three guys to do it. So moving on to the win total, got the 49ers at 10.5. The Seahawks and Rams are at 9. And we have the Arizona Cardinals sitting at 7.5. Honestly, like I said, it's in the Rams pod. I think it should be way more clear distinction between the Seahawks and the Rams. I mean, you look at the Seahawks. I would take the Seahawks. Def ah, crap. I guess not having Clowney hurts them. I mean, adding Jamal Adams helps, but if they just had one, you know, real high-level uh, defensive lineman in there, it helps suit things over. I'd feel a little more confident about the defense. So I won't say their defense is necessarily a lot better than the Rams, but I think the offense at this point. I mean, you're taking Russ over Goff eight days of the week, and, you know, even the big liability that used to be the Seahawks offensive line, I mean, they might be better. I think they probably are better than the Rams offensive line at this point in time. And, you know, wide receiver talent, running back talent, I think a lot of these are going to the the Seahawks, and even if you want to dispute some of that, I think the gap between Russ and Goff is big enough to you know look at this nine win total and just say what the hell. And I mean, it's kind of why I'm betting on the Texans uh, win total over seven and a half. I know, I know Seahawks is a little bit higher, but you know. 
when you're Russell Wilson, you know, Deshaun Watson, any of these top five QBs, you know, putting a win total anywhere around that 500 mark, I will be taking the over. So I do have Seahawks over nine. Wouldn't be surprised in the least if they're able to capture the NFC West, may make some noise in the playoffs. So thank you all for listening. I'm Ian Hart. This has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Make sure you check us out during the season. We will have shows out on Tuesday and uh, Thursday going over all things throughout the week and everything you need to be a successful fantasy football player along with some game reviews uh, shortly after the Monday night, Sunday night, and uh, Thursday night games are over. So thank you again for listening. Until next time, take care, everyone.